The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. P-O-D-Cast, P-O-D-Cast, Pride of Detroit podcast, here for you, doing it differently now, we'll usually say that we're back, or welcome, or welcome, or whatever I do, but I'm just bringing it on here now, I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T, still on my Twitter hiatus, and if you want to know why I'm called the adequate host, it's just because things happen on this podcast that you would say are mistakes, but you know what, it's just adequacy, it's what it is. We have fun here. We we just this is the raw, unfiltered podcast. It's recorded. We can do whatever we want. We could go back and edit out all our mistakes, but we don't because I believe in a firm, organic, tasty, delicious, organic, pesticides-free podcast. Especially when it comes to about the NFL's Detroit Lions. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader of Pride of Detroit, is here at Detroit on Lion. How are you, Jeremy? He's calling in now. Are you back up in Michigan now, or are you still in Florida? I've made it back, and I'm at least 99% pesticide-free. I can guarantee you that. Well, it's that 1% that counts. <laughs> Got to be really careful about it. Isn't that right, Ryan Matthews? Back is the motherfucking rock guy! At Ryan underscore P-O-D. Is that not right? Pesticides, last time I checked, not great for the human body. Well, you never know. Could help you, you check again. You can check again. Don't don't Tony Reality me. I'm not going to go stat check that. <laughs> Please don't. What I will have you stat check is this line from the Detroit Lions 32, Miami Dolphins 21. Uh, someone someone at at numbers and scores. Please check that right now. I I checked the math and that was a very good segue, Mister Adequate Host. Well Thank done. You. Here's some more math for you. Matthew Stafford, 18-22, 217 yards, passer rating of 138. But you know what? He's not the big star of the day. The star is, shockingly, smack your gob right now. Smack your gob if you saw that. The Lions have more rushing yards. I'm smacking my face right now. More rushing yards than passing yards in this game. And a lot of that is coming from one carry-on Johnson. We told you to keep calm and carry on. He's carrying on. His long of the day, 71 yards, 
just running straight through the Red Seas, parted for him on that offensive line on that run. And he kept running, running in South Florida, said afterwards he hadn't run that, that long, that far in a long time. He finishes the day with 158 yards as the Lions themselves just shy of 250 on the ground. Jeremy, the run game got established. That, we is, did the old, that is the old joke of the Pride Detroit POT cast. We always say the run game must be established. We used to say that back in the day when every broadcaster would say that about the Lions, even though they couldn't establish the run. But guess what? Run game status established for real. Totally. And you know what? Even if you were to do the thing that I love to do and take away that 71-yard run, running game still established. Still established. He would, he would have been 4.8 yards per carry in the game without that. Uh, my God, it was just a beautiful day. And halfway through the game, and, and as you kind of alluded to, I was actually at the game as a fan, which was kind of fun because I don't get to experience that all that often anymore. Um, I just, I, I got this weird sense of pride, like that I we finally were able to, you know, put decades be, behind us. And, and this was the most legit offense I've seen this team play in quite some time, probably the entire Matthew Stafford era, if I'm being honest, like even that 2011 season where he's throwing 40 touchdowns, this was something I haven't seen out of this team in a very, very long time, a really good balanced offense. They punted once they scored on every single other drive. That wasn't a kneel down. This was something special and it was a lot of fun to watch. Ryan, what's your takeaway from this? As you look at this run game established, I mean, we, we can sit here and we can fawn over carry on Johnson. I did that today. Um, I, I think all of us have actually done it a little bit so far this week. But uh, the the thing that was most impressive to me is that it wasn't just carry on Johnson. Like no, even well, Garrett Blunt had 10, I think, average five yards of carry, I believe. He yeah. did. Yeah. 10 carries for 50 yards and a touchdown. And I mean, his long of the day was was 13. So, I mean, even if you want to do the uh, even if you want to take uh take the jeremy route of of doing things and you get rid of his longest run um still like a like a really good day you know uh still had you know 4.1 yards per carry so that was me doing math real quick live on air but anyways um yeah even i think what's so impressive about the run game though is you mentioned it chris as well like i thought and apparently pff doesn't really agree but I thought that the offensive line did a sensational job, like run blocking. Like it just seemed like LeGarrette Blunt had like, like it almost seemed like sometimes when LeGarrette Blunt hit the hole on Sunday, like he was like, there, this is a lot of room. This is a <laughs> lot of room and I'm just going to go this way. And it, it was, it was totally, it it was a little unnerving at times because it was like, what, hold on, like Matthew Stafford's supposed to start throwing and winning the game with his arm. Like what? Like that has to happen, right? Like that's how we win games. Like we we have to do that, right? When are we going to do that? Yeah, and it's it's so weird because the NFL almost kind of has gone this way too. Where it's like Garyon Johnson was playing like a feature back on Sunday, and you don't see that anymore. Like the stat line where he gets the majority of the like you know Legarrette Blunt had ten carries, Carryon had nineteen though. So like the Lions were leaning on Carryon Johnson here. They were leaning on him to win this game. And he doesn't come away with a touchdown, but he doesn't really need to at the end of the day. Well, yeah, I mean, the team is a, is a whole, Chris, you, 35 carries. Matthew Stafford threw the ball 22 times. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Only 22. Brock Osweiler. 
He had as many throws as Osweiler had completions. Osweiler on the other side, we've talked about him before. The the gym trainer. The Lions are getting their rock badge, by the way. Uh, or is it Boulder badge? I don't remember. Uh, Brock Osweiler. Uh, sorry, what was that? I was going to say it should be the rock badge because it's the Hard Rock Cafe badge. Mm, that's true. <laughs> the Lions, carry on Johnson must be a water type, is all I'm going to say. <laughs> beat him pretty well Brock Osweiler on the other side 22 of 31 like yeah no so it's not even like the Lions just were able to outduel the Dolphins very well here and a lot of that comes to the the offense and you know I want to keep giving Carryon Johnson all the praise in the world but we got to talk about my boy from Toledo he's a Toledo boy and I had never thought I would get to say his name on this podcast again Michael Roberts with two touchdown passes Leading the score, the score box here, 48 yards for the Detroit Lions, leading and receiving on three receptions, two touchdowns. Uh, the Lions figured it out. They finally figured it out. I don't know if it sticks around, and I think that's going to be my question to Jeremy, but they figured out how to use their tight ends. And they finally figured out, hey, Michael Roberts, he can be useful in the red zone. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And all three of those catches really came in the red zone. The the other one, I think, got them first and goal down deep uh, in, in Dolphins territory. But, yeah, five targets to tight ends on this day. All five of them were receptions. Luke Wilson got in on the action a little bit as well. But, I, I mean, this is definitely something we were all waiting for. Not not just you, Chris. Um, we were all waiting for Michael Roberts to, to bust out and, and do something. And, you know, I, I don't know if, it, if it's going to be a long-term thing or not, but – Michael Roberts has played in three games now and he has three touchdowns. So I, I think there is hope out there. I think, I think there is a chance that Roberts could develop into that red zone threat that we all so blatantly obviously saw when we were looking at his highlights from Toledo and 17 touchdowns or whatever in his, in his senior year. Um, this, this could be his breakout year still. Um, obviously the injury kind of derailed our plans there and, and suddenly it looked like the Lions didn't have any tight end at all. But uh, I mean, those were a lot of contested catches that he made uh, on Sunday too. So those big mitts of his really, really paid off. And if they can make the lines a little more efficient in the red zone, that's going to be huge for them. Big is right. I did not realize Roberts was actually that big. Like I saw him on the highlights and I'm like, wait a minute. I'm just squinting a little closer. I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, oh, that's not a lineman catching that. That's actually a tight end. But no, um, Ryan, like, I, I know we've been talking about this on and off, but like the interior receiving has always been in past years a big thing the Lions leaned on. Like we, every time we talk about 2016, we were talking about what Anquan Bolden did as a slot receiver, virtually a second tight end for Matthew Stafford. Could Roberts maybe become that? Uh, I mean, I don't want to jump the gun on it. Uh, I, I think this is obviously a, a big step in the right direction. I mean, Lions tight ends coming into this game were virtually non-existent. It it seemed like it was just not going to be a part of their plans. But I mean, even Luke Wilson got in. uh, Luke Wilson got in on the uh, the action a little bit, too. He had a couple of catches himself. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's it's. Maybe we were a little bit early to write off Michael Roberts and and this tight end group as just being a a, a non-factor, kind of like a zero sum. But I, I think that. It, it, it's it, it was refreshing. I, I just don't know if we can count on it moving forward. 
Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. And I'll go to Jeremy on this. Like, how sustainable is this? Because this is something that finally clicked for the Lions. You know, without this inside game, they've seemed to have a lot of red zone problems. What's your take on this? Well, I think the success, uh, the sustainability of the success kind of depends on the sustainability of the running success, because I think those two are very much linked. If you can run the ball effectively, then play action. A lot of play action passes are designed specifically to go to tight ends, especially kind of those rollout plays. And, and they hit one of those to uh, to Luke Wilson, who could have gained uh, 15, 20 yards on a play, but could not run a, a good play from a dolphin safety. But I, I think, yeah, they're, they're very much tied together, especially in the red zone too, because we saw um, we saw a little bit more of the struggles in the red zone in this game. The Lions kicked four field goals. Um, they probably could have put this game away in the third quarter had they converted on some of those red zone opportunities. But we saw LeGarrette Blunt score a touchdown. We saw Mer- Michael Roberts score a couple. Um, those two kind of working together really helps in, in kind of baiting those linebackers deep in the, in the zone, because that's, that's really the key. The linebacker play I think is key more than anyone else in the red zone. And if you have a run game and a tight end threat, it's going to make them really, really, you know, kind of have to split their attention there. And it obviously helps the offense a lot in those situations. Well, I'm glad you brought up the field goals. Cause as you said, the lions had four drives ending on field goals here. So that's, I mean, obviously still leaving points on off the board there. So what, what, what do you, what's your take on that? I mean, there's, there's a lot of things going on there. A um, couple short-yarded situations. We came into this game talking about how good the lines were in short-yarded situations. I think they were 100% in terms of running on short-yarded situations. And um, LeGarrette Blunt struggled on, it, on that a couple times in this game. Um, Lions had a pass batted down on a, a third and two. I don't think there's one thing necessarily that went wrong in this game. It's just early on the situational football wasn't good. The, the third downs, both on offense and defense, you know, they had a couple defensive penalties, but we'll get into defense a little bit later. Um, you, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I don't think it's emblematic of a necessarily bigger problem, but if you want to win games and put teams away and, and make it so the Dolphins aren't, you know, an onside kick necessarily away from having a game-tying play opportunity, you score touchdowns instead of field goals. And the Lions didn't do this in this game, but they were so good everywhere else where it didn't end up mattering all that much. Ryan, last word is to you. We're going to talk about the defense in the next segment here, but anything else you want to talk about when it comes to the offense or just this game in general right now? Like the Miami Dolphins were, I mean, how many games has it been that they've, I think it's like a four or five win streak at home they've had. They, they've been undefeated for this entire season at home at least. But I mean, I think that goes back in the last season. So what what's like for the Lions to come in here and get this win in Miami is what to you? Um, Something that needed to be done. I, I really thought that for the Lions to maybe gain a little bit of confidence coming out, uh, you know, coming out of the bye week, looking to, you know, go down to Miami. It seemed like the cards were kind of like not not dealt in their favor, like with with the Miami Heat. um you know, the dolphin, the dolphins getting to pick to play in white jerseys. Like it just seemed like all of the narratives could have been stacked against the lions as a team going on the road, playing against like Miami. You said they, they played really good at home as of late, you know, undefeated this season so far, but they went down there and, and they've, and they finally won a game on the road, you know, after losing to San Francisco, after losing to Dallas, like it, it was important for this team to, to get a victory on the road. So um, I, I'm, 
I'm 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 hopeful that they can take this and and hopefully carry some as uh, Jerry loves to or Jeremy loves to talk about momentum into into next week's. But there, there, the one the one thing I want to mention real quick though is that oh man I don't even know how I want to like I don't Go even want to know how I present this but like Go so for it. this is definitely like Patriots West right now okay like don't tell me that like. Matt Patricia and the rest of the Lions coaching staff wasn't privy to the way that the Patriots beat up on the Dolphins 38 to seven back in week four, because the Patriots ran the ball 40 times against these same Miami Dolphins. You know, they, they ran the ball more than they threw the ball against them, which is something that the Lions also did. So I, I'm just saying that, there, there's some, there's some Patriots, uh, there's some Patriots uh, game planning going on. Just here. say the Patriot way is here. Just say it. Don't. No, you said it. I didn't <laughs> want to say it. I wanted to beat. I'm never gonna say it. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about the defense, and then later in the show, I want to talk big picture because right now the NFC North is now wide, completely open between this game, and I would say the Bears losing has suddenly changed the whole dynamic of this division it's this is true of course across the entire nfl but we're going to focus on the nfc north later in the show but coming up next we're talking a little peanut butter jelly time with ricky jean francois we'll be right back pride to detroit pod cast back and your face with the defense of the Detroit Lions. Let's talk about them. I want to start, as I said last segment, with Ricky Jean Francois, who, I mean, what what haven't we said about this guy so far when it comes to, like, surprises as far as him being on the roster? Not only being on the roster, but being the, the standout player of this defense right now. More than Ezekiel Lance has been, more than a guy like even Ashawn Robinson, or, I mean, dare I even say it, probably more in our faces than Darius Slay. Or Jared Davis, for that matter. Jared Davis got a sack. We'll talk about him. But, like, Ricky Jean Francois has been showing himself out right now. Well, the thing with him is I, I've i already counted him out so many times this season. I counted him out in in training camp where I thought, like, okay, he's just, you know, he's going to be the mentor figure. And then once a regular season starts, he's going to be basically a roster bubble guy. Then he was a starter. Then he kind of started to struggle. First couple weeks, maybe even into weeks three or four not playing all that well. The the entire defensive line was not playing that well. And then he comes out on Sunday, gets two sacks. This is a guy who hasn't had two sacks in a season since 2015. He gets his second, his second two sack performance of his entire career. And I I was shocked by the way the interior often defensive line played in this game. Cause it wasn't just him. It, it was a Sean Robinson who had a tackle for loss in this game and had a couple pressures. It was Deshaun hand who's continuing to be possibly the line's best draft pick this year as a fourth rounder, because my God, this guy is, is just killing it right now. He's creating pressure. He's a nose tackle on third downs, get, getting some pass rush from the inside. And then he's a defensive end for running downs, and he's he's splitting double teams. I mean, the whole interior defensive line absolutely shocked me, and and maybe it was going up against their, their former uh, center Travis Swanson, or maybe it was just them clicking all on the same day. But everyone, Ricky Jean, Ashawn, and and 
Aquara. Aquara too. Aquara on the edge had a couple good plays as well. And um, shocking to me. It really, really shocking to me. And and you saw it in the product. You saw another, what, four sacks on the day. Um, a lot of these were not coverage sacks either. These were legit sacks. And then run defense, which, uh, you know, final stat line doesn't look good. 107 yards, 5.6 a carry. But let's play the Jeremy game here. Let's take out their 154-yard run. And you know what? I have Kenyon Drake in fantasy. Let's not. Nope, we're doing it. I I, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Dolphins, for finally giving Kenyon Drake the ball and not Frank Gore. Like, holy shit. Thank you for finally getting it. But, you know, hey, whatever. You still lost, so I get the best of both worlds. 2.9s per carry without that one breakdown. And, and granted, the breakdowns have been happening often, but for the entirety of this game, the lines were stopping the run. They, they had established the run, and they had prevented the other team from establishing the run. And I'm, I'm giddy about that because that, that was the biggest weakness going into this game. And I'm not saying it's fixed, but this is the first sign of optimism we've had all year. And, and that's, that's something to get excited about. Ryan, I'm going to probably reveal how just utterly uncool or out of touch I might be. But when I heard Ricky Jean Francois was doing the peanut butter jelly time dance, I will admit for whatever reason, every time he has a sack or something, I seem to be not looking at the at the uh, TV. So I've been missing it until now. And now that I'm looking at it, I realize this is not the same as that dancing banana from early 2000s flash videos. So can you explain the peanut butter jelly time dance? I, I think you kind of just did by by referencing it. I don't know if you don't know the peanut butter jelly time dance, then. Then how old are you? I mean, I'm really just trying to hide my age because I don't but where, where, the where's the origin of dance at all. You don't know the origin of it either. Okay. No, no, no. It, it, I, I feel like it really picked up popularity because of Family Guy. Was this on Family Guy? Because again, like every time someone says peanut butter jelly time, I just think of that stupid dancing banana. How, do, how, how, about, we, uh, how about we ask the resident Family Guy expert who's on this podcast? You mean you mean we actually have someone on staff who maybe at one point in his life, in his teenage years, <laughs> moderated a forum to discuss. The I was not a moderator. Company. What were Fake you? Fake news. You're an admin? No. A founder? Uh, wait, uh, no, I, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, feels feels great to be got. Um here, here's what I want to say about the defense, though, and I'm, I'm really not even just trying to play devil's advocate because I, I don't like that game. But I wasn't, like, all that impressed by the defense. Go on. Go on. Go on. So, just okay. Leave that and just leave it there. Well, yeah, I know I have to have my evidence. But, like, sure, okay. Lines that a Lions did a, the, an adequate job of getting after Brock Osweiler. But, and I know we don't want to call these coverage sacks because I think that the way that this defense played, I thought the secondary didn't play as well as they did in the first half of the Packers game, which I thought was maybe like one of their better performances of recent memory. Sure. Like those were like, I feel like truly like actual coverage sacks. Like, I mean, cause I have a little bit more faith in Aaron Rodgers that his internal clock is a little bit, more finely tuned than Brock Osweiler's. But I mean, Brock Osweiler's just, yeah, he just like, I feel like for, for the majority of the sacks, like it was just Brock Osweiler holding onto the ball for too long and like not making, not making the right decision or not making the right play. Um, But at the same time, like Brock Osweiler was the weirdest case study in the world on Sunday, because it was either 
it was either he was just a piss poor quarterback or on the other hand, he was throwing literal dimes to Kenny Stills and, and Danny Amendola for those touchdowns. So it, I don't know. It, it was, it was a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, and, and I know that kind of goes contrary to saying that the secondary didn't play so well because Brock really put in two incredible throws. Maybe those are probably like two, like top 10 Brock Osweiler throws. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> like of his entire career, um, which, which is just insanity, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm with what Jeremy kind of said, like, you know, the problems aren't fixed. It's nice to see, it's nice to see the lions, you know, take care of business, so to speak. But the, I mean, the dolphins are still a team that, that is trying to say that, that is trying to establish Frank Gore. Like, and I know that he ran all over the bears last week, but maybe that's more of an indictment on the bears run defense than it is anything else or what's kind of going on with their defense right now as a whole after starting off blazing hot and now it's starting to starting to simmer out. But um, I, I, the, you know, when Kendrick, when Kenyon Drake ran the ball and I know if you want to try to take away that big run, but like you said, Jeremy, like that's a, been a problem, like all season long, like it, it, it's been a problem where if the lions do give up just one of those big plays, it happened with Isaiah Crowell in week one, it happened with happened with Brita. It happened with, you know, name your name your running back that the Lions have played so far this year, but it's uh it's definitely a problem. And I know that Pascaloni talked about how run defense is a lot about technique and it's a lot a lot about, you know, guys being in the right spot. And that's just something that needs to be fixed because the NFL's got kind of built on, you know, big plays. The team who has the most big plays is usually the team that's gonna have one of the best opportunities to win. Yeah, and I mean he's you're holding basically, I hate to like look at the name on the front tier too, but it's, it's Brock Osweiler at the end of the day too. He's averaging 7.7 yards per, per pass completion throws two touchdowns as well. Like just at the end of the day, it's like, okay, that's cool. There's going to be some better quarterbacks down the line. You better yeah, be ready it, for it. Well, yeah. And I'm actually with Ryan in the secondary play. I don't think it was very good in this game. Um, I think I gave him a C minus after watching it in person. I'm, about three quarters of the way watching the game again, and I might even grade them a little lower. Um, sure, there were those big plays to, to Amendola, um, and and they required perfect throws, but I, I feel like crossing patterns have been a really big issue for the secondary. Um, they're running into each other. They're not communicating before the play. I don't know if, if it showed up on the television broadcast, but I felt like for a lot of plays, the secondary was just talking to each other and talking to each other right up until the snap, not really knowing what was going on. Oh, maybe yeah. That's, yeah, maybe that's just kind of the result of a lot of injuries happening in the secondary and guys like Tease Tabor having to step up and take a bigger role in this game. But um, it, it doesn't look to me like the secondaries come together quite yet, and I don't know if they will or not, but um, I, I need a lot more out of them because they, they were expected to be the, the strong point of this defense, and they weren't on Sunday. And and for as excited as I am about the front seven, we haven't even talked about Jared Davis yet, who had maybe his best career game. Um, I, I definitely have concerns in the secondary because the Lions haven't really stopped a quarterback for all four quarters in a game this yet yet this year and the fact that Brock Osweiler was able to do what he was able to do even with four sacks even with uh you know a couple passes that that were not very good and probably should have been intercepted um still managed to 7.7 per attempt and and pass rating of 115 essentially it's a pretty good day for any quarterback um that that can't happen especially especially when the Dolphins lose their their best wide receiver in the first half 
Yeah, the Dolphins got been really snake bit with injuries, and I think that's something Lions definitely got lucky at here too. And that you're not playing their starting uh, quarterback. Who else wasn't starting? Like you know, say what you want on the wide receivers. Uh, what else? What am I missing? Who else got hurt? Well, just Al- Albert Wilson's obviously the big one. Got hurt yeah. in the second quarter there. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to take anything away pieces. from. They've been missing some other pieces through the year too, but yeah, sure. And, and not, yeah, I'm not taking line much, is beat up too. Yeah, and I'm not taking too much away from the Lions on this too. If anything, it's just kind of underscoring what it is as far as health. Like we're talking about how bad, how like poor this backfield is playing, and I would be worried if someone else gets hurt out of the backfield right now. Like Darius Slay's taking a few hits, but if he, if he gets like ever has a point where he misses time, like suddenly this secondary could become a liability. Absolutely. I mean, in, in a way, it kind of already is because that depth is really being tested now that Jamal Agnew's out. Um, Nevin Lawson, up and down. I actually thought this was a better game from him. I know a lot of people are kind of harping on a couple of the penalties that he got. I didn't think they were great calls, and I also thought he was a victim of an offensive pass interference that they didn't call. But Tease Tabor had a so-so day. Um, I think Glover Quinn continues to la- not look great. And, and even Darius Lee had kind of a rough day. I, I wouldn't say a bad day, but certainly not up to his standards. If if I could say one like positive thing about the secondary though, like as a, as a unit in coverage, they left a lot to be desired, but I thought they did a really good job at like, um, at, at getting after players and limiting like yards after catch. Sure. Um, I thought T's Tabor did a really good job of that. I thought, Ta- uh, yeah, tackling was solid all yeah. across the board, I think. Quandre Diggs did a did a um a pretty good job of that too, and that that's something we're accustomed to seeing from him. But um, I think you can really give a lot of credit for like the ability for some of these secondary players, their like click and go ability for the catches made, but then we're making a tackle like immediately, and that and that's something that I thought even you know talk about the front seven, but that was something that Jared Davis did really well uh, this week as well. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about him for a second because if you, if you haven't seen already, uh, he recorded. I believe the second highest grade of any linebackers in, in week seven makes pro football focuses uh, team of the week. Uh, I think, I, th- I mean, he, he's kind of did everything in this game. Um, pass coverage. He was good. He allowed five catches, but I think it was for a total of like 16 yards. So like you mentioned, really tackling well after the play laid a couple of really big hits in this game, uh, but also used as a blitzer a lot. Um, I want to say he was, he blitzed, 11 times in this game and created three or four pressures, including one sack. Um, that's really been an underrated part of his game that we don't really talk about often. Um, his speed, his closing speed. Uh, I know we talked about a little in the preseason because he was overshooting his targets a little bit, but seemed a lot more in control in this game um, in terms of that, in terms of um, coverage. Um, even, you know, we talked about the run defense. He was, he was part of that. He was good at filling gaps and, and not overrunning and not, overthinking and uh, I mean he earned his 91.0 pro football focus grade which is elite um, by their standards so um, step in the right direction again I'm not here saying Jared Davis isn't a bust I'm not saying Jared Davis is a bust I'm saying this is one really 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 solid performance out of him and we've waited a really long time to see it all right we're going to wrap this one up in a bow but when we come back final thoughts from Dolphins Lions and looking at the NFC North and the NFL in general, um, things are really opening up on in the NFC, and we really need to talk about it. We kind of been doing this each week because the NFC this year has just been uh, 
what's the right word? I'm, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Not not chaos, not bonkers. Um, I wouldn't even go far the other direction. Call it a trash fire either. <laughs> I w- I would say it's been uneven. It's been special. It's been very special. We're going to talk about that very special NFC when we come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Pride to Detroit POD cast. Um, sorry if I'm sounding a little off right now. I'm just now reading this Chad Kelly news. Uh, Chad Kelly, Broncos backup quarterback, arrested for trespassing in a stranger's home and just mumbling to himself. So that's neat. That's neat. The Detroit Lions are 3-3 three and three now, which puts them now at third in the NFC North. In the week prior, the Chicago Bears were first in the NFC North. Now they are last behind the Detroit Lions. And the Minnesota Vikings are 4-2-1. and one. The Packers are 3-2-1. and one. They, Those two teams, of course, had the tie. And there are only two teams in the NFC North, I mean, in the NFC, excuse me, that have five wins or more. And that's the Saints and the Rams, the Rams, the last unbeaten team. In fact, across the NFL, there's only there's only two other teams that meet that, the Chiefs and the Patriots. But I want to focus specifically on the NFC because uh, this year is going to be crazy. And it's going to suck. It's going to suck because we're going to get around the times the wild card. And there's going to be so many teams that are just going to get hosed out of thinking that they have a spot to play in the playoffs. I. Uh, Thoughts right now. I, I I have nowhere. I have no clue where I'm going with this, and I just want someone to jump in here and <laughs> okay. reassure me about the NFC. Well, I mean, let's talk about the Lions specifically here because for as good as they're playing right now, they only have one win in the NFC, and that could be a really really key tiebreaker. They they've beaten the Patriots and now they've beaten the Dolphins. Those are great wins, but they don't really count at all towards any sort of tiebreaker. So this yeah, team- actually. In really conference needs. too. In conference too, they've only won one yeah. NFC game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Packers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm not talking division game. They've won one conference game. They've lost two, and, and that could really come back to bite them. A 49ers loss that means nothing to them now because they're out of everything, and a loss to the Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys are three and four. That head-to-head tiebreaker could be really, really painful, and it, it's part of the reason I'm, I'm sure Matt Patricia was frustrated with the slow start. He says it every week. You only get 16 opportunities to prove it. And the Lions struggled out of the gate, and, and it, could, it could cost them down the line. But the good news for them is obviously they still have five division games left. They're, they're still 1-0 in the division. Um, if they can clean up the division, then they don't have to worry about all these tiebreakers. They can run away with the division. But a lot easier said than done. Yeah, Ryan, like the next three games, too, you have a home game against the Seahawks, but then two road games against divisional opponents, the Bear, the Vikings, and then the Bears to get you to about mid-November. Uh, this is, this is going to look pretty brutal right now. At least you're getting those road games so you can finish out the year safe and cozy in the Dome, although you do have to go to Lambeau on like a day before New Year's Eve, which is just great and fantastic, but... You have to go to Buffalo in the middle of December. I'm sure that'll be yeah, great. Yeah, the last, the last three games are not going to be fun at all for weather. But for right now, you've got two, You've got a home game against the Seahawks, who, I mean, 
I don't know what to make of the Seahawks. They play really well at home, but on the on the road, they're a bit of a wild card as they start to slowly disintegrate. Uh, I don't know really know what to make of them. I know they lost a close one to the Bears, their last true really decent road game they've had. Uh, I don't know what to make of them, but then two road games against divisional opponents that this is, this is going to be a rough, this is going to be some rough sledding for the lions. They need to win some a few, how many, how many of these do they need to win to stay in divisional hunt? Because I, I feel like if the lions are going to make the playoffs, it has to be at the front of this division. It can't be from a wild card position. Cause if you're in a wild card position, there's just too much chaos about to happen. Yeah. I, I think that at the end this little three-game stretch here where, like you just talked about, Chris, they had the Seahawks at home this week, obviously. Then they have to go on the road to play Minnesota and Chicago. I think I think we're going to have a pretty good understanding of kind of where the Lions sit, especially amongst um, more so the conference and I think the division, because by then the Lions will only be three games deep in, into their division games. But um, I, if you're talking about these next three games, I think the Lions, if there are two games that you – that you really want to win. It's obviously against those two, those two divisional opponents. Um, but both those games being on the road, it, the, the lion, the lions do have a lot of figuring out kind of, kind of where they sit in, in the standings, I think in these next three games. And and then, you know, them all being conference games, like Jeremy said, sitting right now at, at one and two in the conference, if they can find some way to, to go in two and one over these games and at least get, um, you know, get back to like 500 against the conference. That's gonna that's gonna be huge. Um, and it's I don't want to think playoffs. And I know that's kind of like where our our brains just but playoffs. Naturally, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, where our brains naturally warp. Like we start we start doing this like prognostication where it's like, okay, well if they win this game, they lose that game. Like the Lions just kind of like Jeremy said. Patricia talked about how there's 16 opportunities for for you to prove it. And I think I think they have to start this week. And I know, listen to our first bite preview podcast that we do each and every week. Um, hmm. a, a shame, a, sh- a not so shameless plug on that. But this, I think, if, if there is a time to play the Seahawks, and I know that they're coming off by, but if there's a time to play the Seahawks and not be so frightened of the Seahawks, I, I think that that dog is in agreement with me. Like, <laughs> like now's the time to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, they always seem to catch on in, in November or December. And granted, they're kind of catching on. I mean, they're almost in the exact same situation as the Lions. They started one and three. Or they started, yeah, they started one and three. They've won three out of their last four. Um, they, they seem to be coming together. But I think it's definitely big that they have them at home. And, and I mean, you guys are right. The, the, the next month or two is going to be so defining of this team. The next seven games are all NFC games. All of them. The next, I think, five or six are all winning record teams in the NFC. So this is huge. This is absolutely huge. And and how they perform against the Dolphins isn't necessarily going to say how they're going to perform the following. And just, if they beat Seattle, doesn't mean they're going to be in the playoffs. It, they have to prove it every week. And, and I know that sounds like a company line, but it's true. I mean, each game is different. Each opponent pro, uh, poses a, a different threat. And with how inconsistent this entire NFC has been, I, I won't be able to tell you until week 16 whether this team is going to make the playoffs or not. Yeah, like there's, and that's why I think, like, if you want to make the playoffs, you have to win this division right now because just, I, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm just looking at the juju when it comes to the Detroit Lions. And I'm not talking about Smith Schuster. I'm talking about real honest to God juju here. 
when it comes to it's like okay the lions are in it with like eight teams to get to the to the wild card or whatever like we've seen that play out before and i'm going to keep using history on it because it's just it's it's I, I don't know. Like this division, this this whole conference seems to be in its druthers right now. Like the Packers and the Vikings are obviously on top, but I don't know how much I trust either of those teams, even as the Vikings start to really put things together. Meanwhile, you know, the Super Bowl champions are three and four and look just utterly dysfunctional at times. I know they're slowly putting it together, but they just got a tough loss to the Carolina Panthers. I don't know what the Panthers are. I really don't. And then, yeah, the, the Seahawks, the Cowboys, I'm, I'm shrugging there. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think the Falcons may be putting it together, too. I, I, I'm going to count out the Bucks right now at 3-3. Three and three. I don't care. Like, there's, no, there's only about, like, I would say three teams that are, like, completely out of this when it comes to the NFC. And that should scare anyone right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, not all of those teams are going to tank. Yeah, but, like again, maybe maybe the Bucks tank, but other than that, if you're if you're not the Cardinals, the 49ers, the Giants, you're still in this and you will be in yeah. this for another month. Yeah. So I, I guess my question now then is where are you at with this Lions team? And I know I just said, you know, how they performed this week isn't necessarily gonna say anything about how they're performing in December, but how confident are you that this team can at least contend for a playoff spot right now? I'm still not that confident, to be honest. Uh, the bye week just happened. This is a lot of, I, I, we've said this before on the podcast. The fact the lions had a early bye should scare a lot of people because now you're not going to have any rest. There's just no rest to come for two, two months, two months. And the most brutal part of the schedule is coming up because after those three games, you have to play the Panthers and the bears again in your own place. Mind you, then you get the Rams, the Rams who are the best team probably the best team in football right now. Like I really want to give that to the chiefs, but their, their defense is kind of a, a shaggy mess. The Rams don't have that problem. The Rams are crazy good right now. And I don't see how you win that game unless you have some just sheer luck and some great breaks going your way. Like, and you're going to get beat up in these next few games too. Like not just playing the Seahawks, but like these divisional games, the Panthers and the Rams, you, you've been lucky. We, we talked about it last segment too, when it came to the health of the defensive backfield needing to st- needing to uh, hold where it's at right now. And where have we seen lions break games, break down the past has been where, you know, injuries happen on the offensive line and you've already got laying out. And he's I would say though. what he's back. Oh, he's back now. Okay, cool. But like, yeah, he was, he was gone for a while. Who knows what he's at right now. And if anyone else gets hurt, like we've, we've seen this playbook before with the lions, right? Like you stack up a couple guys missing from the offensive line as starters. And then suddenly Stafford can't get protection. Suddenly you can't establish the run game and bam, 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 bam. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you bring up a good point there and that the lines have actually been pretty lucky in terms of injury luck so far. Um, the offensive lines played a lot more together than they did all of last season. Um, Skill player, skill position players are healthy. Stafford is obviously healthy. I mean, really, the only season-ending injury we, we've seen is Jamal Agnew, and uh, while he was kind of getting an increased role on the defense, I, don't, I wouldn't call that a catastrophic injury by any measure. But I'm I'm a little more optimistic about this team right now because I mean, the main thing for me is that this team is showing improvement every week. We talk, you know, Patricia talks all the time about getting better every month, and and 
putting together a better performance than the week before. And that's what we're seeing. I mean, we went into this game against the Dolphins thinking the Lions had three or four big weaknesses. That was their interior defensive line. That was their coverage on kicks and punts and their tight ends. All three of those were big strengths against the Dolphins. And, and that to me says a lot about the coaching. And for the first time, I think all year, I have a lot more confidence in this coaching staff than I did before. And whether that plays out throughout the course of the rest of the season, I'm not sure, but I feel a lot more confident about it. I feel like this team can can put together a game plan to, to go up against any team. I mean, the Lions have been in every single game outside of the Jets, which I'm just throwing away. Maybe I'm being irresponsible by doing that, but I'm throwing away the Jets game completely because they've looked like a much different team the rest of the way. And I, I just don't know. I mean, you, you just look at how they've played. They're obviously won three out of the last four. Obviously played some really good opponents in the middle there and, and came out victorious. And sure, it's strange that their three wins have come over teams with a winning records and three losses have come against teams with losing records. But to me, that's just that's the NFL. And to me, this team looks like someone who can really contend with anyone on a week-to-week basis. Ryan, your thoughts on this? Well, I, I think I want to take a look at like the NFC as a conference as a whole because the only two teams that I think are surefire locks to make the playoffs, I think they'll both win their respective divisions, are the Rams and the Saints. Like those are the two teams that I'm absolutely sure, like when it comes time in December or when it comes time in January, like they're gonna be in the playoffs. Beyond that, I mean are you going to tell me that Washington who's four and two right now and has a point differential of plus five? Um, like that's a team that looks like a playoff team. Absolutely not. Like that was a team that got absolutely torched by the saints. And I, I know it's a tough, t- you know, it's a tough task and a tall order to go into new Orleans, but like Washington is not a team that really like does anything for me. They barely squeaked by the Cowboys at home and then the Cowboys aren't a very good team. Let's see what Amari Cooper does, but but then they're they're like a very like I don't know who they are team like they're a team that smacked the Packers in the mouth, but they're a team who lost to the Colts. <laughs> like it's it's a really it's a really weird NFC like as a whole, and that's why I say like as far as playoff teams who I think have like stamped their card, um, so to speak. And I know catastrophic things can happen, but just the Rams and New Orleans are the only two teams, and and since they sit in two opposite you know two two opposing divisions. It's uh, I think that speaks well for the Lions because the Lions are they're, they're just right in the middle of the pack right now. They're sitting at three and three. They have eight teams ahead of them. They have seven teams below them. Um, I I think maybe two of the teams that sit below them in the standings right now are, are teams that could you could viably make a make a case that they'll turn things around. And, and that's Philly and that's Atlanta. But Atlanta's dealt with so many injuries. They just lost their uh, their starting guard. guard. Yeah. Yep, Brandon Fusco. I mean, he's out now. They've they've you know just been decimated on defense with Keanu Neal, um, and, and you know other injuries that they've they've dealt with on their defense. All I'm saying is I hope whoever trades for Patrick Peterson doesn't end up in the NFC. And if he does, I hope it's the Detroit Lions. <laughs> I was going to say, like, that's probably the most interesting news out of the NFC right now is the fact that Patrick Peterson, like, the rumors are true. He definitely wants out of that that flaming mess in, in, in Glendale. Oh, yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, it's just it's just a bad situation. So, 
I want to ask you this because out of yeah. out of all the teams here, like, and I know we're including the Raiders and and the Giants in this, but are the Cardinals the worst team in the NFL, or is it one of those other two? I want to say that I want to say the Giants because they don't have a quarterback. At least the Cardinals have someone who might be their future quarterback. What about what about the Raiders? Just like it, it looks like the entire locker room has decided to just dump Derek Carr on a stretch of road somewhere between Barstow and Vegas. Meanwhile, they're they're giving up first round picks for. Uh, I mean, I mean they they gave up Amari Cooper to get a first rounder back. Like I. Man, I don't know, man. I can't I, even. Believe, I, I can't even believe they got a first rounder. Well, it's the Cowboys, so yeah, sure. But still, Jerry, like Jerry, he works in mysterious ways. I, I mean, <laughs> I've never seen a a franchise get dismantled as quickly as I like this. As was I have with the Raiders, and I'm not, not surprising. We all saw it coming when John. Yeah, Kirk this got is the history. Fired. This is the history of the Raiders too. This is the history of the Davis clan leading the Raiders. Like they get a whiff of good. And there is like a command switch that flips on those robots. Beep boop must dismantle team. <laughs> is is the motherboard just underneath the bowl cuts? Is that where it is? For 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 Mark, it definitely is. Al Davis didn't really have much hair at the end to hide it. It was just kind of there in the scabs. I think it was behind. I think it was behind the band aids. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's hiding a little control chip there, which is sad too because I thought Al Davis, you know, back in the '60s, he was a great mind and everything. But like, it's it's been rough sledding since then. And uh, yeah, this this latest thing again, uh, Amari Cooper. Coming to the NFC, thankfully the Lions do not have to play the Cowboys in the regular season, so you don't have to worry about that. But yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right, Jeremy. I just you want Patrick Peterson out of the NFC, especially before the Lions have to play the Cardinals on the 18th of November. We can just make sure that the Rams can't get them, though, right? I'm sorry, I, I got the wrong date there. Um, they're playing them on on the December 9th. My bad. Yeah. Well, we're. By the time people are listening to this, we're less than a week out from the trade deadline, and I know that the NFL is going to try to do everything to make themselves as interesting in the as the NBA. But I don't know. Do you, I guess one last quick question to to kind of both of you guys: Do you think that like any of the? I mean, with the the Amari Cooper deal, that's admittedly a pretty big deal. You know, trading a first round yeah. pick for a guy who was once viewed as being like the number one guy in Oakland and, and things just have kind of gone sour since then. Maybe he needed a change of scenery. Maybe he just needed to get away from Derek Carr. I mean, sorry, but now you're stuck with Dak Prescott, but um, do do you foresee any like big trades happening? You know, the Raiders still trying to offload players, Patrick Peterson, uh, Demarius Thomas is another name that was mentioned. Do you think any of these guys like, do you think there are well, any names out there that do get moved and have an actual effect on on things down the stretch? There, there's a couple interesting points to hear, and and we also saw Eli Apple get traded today. I wouldn't say that's necessarily a blockbuster, but a significant the wrong trade. Eli. The, wrong the wrong Eli. Eli. <laughs> but uh, I, I wonder if the mediocrity that that we were just talking about—that this league is filled with so many mediocre teams—that maybe think they're one piece away from jumping up into contention into that category with the Saints and the Rams. Maybe that does kind of push for for more action at the trade deadline, whereas you have some clear teams that are at the bottom too, right? Like you have the Cardinals, you have the 49ers, you have the Giants, you have the Raiders, the Bills, the Colts. Like all those teams are pretty much out of it, and then everyone else is in it. So if there is anyone worthy on those teams uh, to get traded, I, I wouldn't be shocked by it, but don't expect like four deals. I would expect one or two, maybe. 
the problem too is when everyone thinks they're in it as well it means they're less likely to try to sell things off too right like sure. it's, everyone thinks it's in it so there's less there's less sellers too so yeah. we'll see all right let's take a quick break here when we come back we've got mailbag to get to it's not a very big mailbag this week kind of shaking it right here and i'm hearing things jangling so we come back we'll get to those questions and reviews and probably talking more about the trade deadline coming on up here we don't usually talk about it but we'll see what we've got here coming up next on the pride of detroit pod cast Mail time, hashtag AskPOD, as always, to get your questions in at any point. I will look for anything with that hashtag on Twitter. Don't even need to tag us in there. You probably should. Gives us a better chance to see it. But as always, before we begin, we read the reviews. Jeremy, we have some more reviews, I I am led to believe. We do, and they're both good this week. So, hey, keep them coming. Uh, First one comes from Minnesota Lions fan. Gives us five stars. Um, I can't read the whole title because iTunes cuts part of it off, so I'm just going to jump into the body. It says, this is by far the best Lions podcast out there. Great analysis and always stay away from the obnoxious, ignorant rhetoric found on others. My only gripe is that Jeremy and Ryan don't get to don't get the full amount to time. Uh, doesn't get the full amount of time to speak and express their thoughts. God, blah, blah. God bless Chris's heart, but he really needs to let people finish before butting in. You probably should have butt in there because I was just struggling. Through yeah, that. no, but like, I think people need to know this too. Like I, I, I try as hard as I can to get us on a proper time limit. And I, I want, I would like, I'm, I'm basically if I'm cutting in, I have like, that means my ADHD and anxiety rattled brain has already lost interest, which means that people at home, I'm terrified they might've lost interest too. It's And that's not to say Jeremy or Ryan don't have anything interesting to say. It's just that conversation works better when it's going back and forth at a rapid pace. And also, I am here looking at the clock. And every time I tag Jeremy or Ryan in on chat to say, you got to wrap it up, we're up against the segment clock. They don't see it. So, <laughs> like, You're there's right a lot that going on here. If it was up to me, this would be a three-hour podcast. Yeah, we can't do that. We, we'd not be able to sell you guys on a three-hour podcast, believe me. Uh, okay, let's jump into the next one real quick because I don't want to be short on time here. Uh, LJ3000 says, can you dig it? I dig it. Five stars. My favorite podcast in general. Not only do I get great lines news, but I really enjoyed the chemistry between these threes. Nickname for Kenny Galladay, Galasaurus. Is that with that a works. question mark at the end? That is a question mark. I'll give it a three and a half out of five. I, I, would... I like it. I like it in that it came kind of naturally because of what uh, <laughs> Clinton Dick said about him with his dinosaur arms, which I don't think he understands the anatomy of a dinosaur because <laughs> they have short arms. But uh, I, I like Allosaurus. I'm, it's I'm long necks, long necks, short arms. That's how it works. I wanted to give your uh, question tonal inflection a four out of five, Jeremy. Thank you. You're welcome. I think. <laughs> I know you you grade on a tough scale, so I think a four out of five is actually pretty good. I don't like give one hundred. I don't. I don't give one hundred percent. Yeah, you're a teacher. There's no such thing as an A plus. If that existed, then what? I mean, 
why don't you just take my job? <laughs> First question we have on the mail bla- oh, excuse me, the mailbag is from Claire at Chimses. How much credit does the staff holding up the tents get for the Lions sideline? How much how much credit did they get for the win? I I hope the I hope those were union workers. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's funny because yeah, I I didn't even get a sense of this storyline being at the game, and I I don't think I even paid attention to it or saw it. But <laughs> there was like four or five stories about it after the game, and yeah, that that does not seem like uh, <laughs> a nice job to have. I get tired holding up my phone to a, a player's face, uh, recording their conversations for more than thirty seconds. So I can't imagine what doing that for a full hour of game time in the 90 degree can, sun. For people at home like, who might not have seen this, like, can you explain this? Like what was going on with the tents? Yeah. I mean, so yeah, go, go ahead, ahead. Ryan. You, no, you go ahead. You, you probably got more of the story than I oh did. Oh my God. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it was just something where like, they were holding up these essential, like just, I, they were some kind of like cover. I don't know. Like even how to explain it. Like maybe like a nylon kind of like, Canopy um, thing, canopy thing, yeah. Like maybe with like uh, PVC. They didn't have any tent poles or something, or what? I, I think that there are certain rules against like creating an artificial or a temporary tent, essentially, because because it's probably some sort of hazard to the uh. gameplay if if something happens. So yeah, they just had human poles, essentially. Wonderful. All right. Um, well, Halloween is coming up, and we've already got two questions here about candy. We're going to get to those, and then we'll get right back into some Lions questions. Um, he, what The Brim wants a, a candy bar list cast. I think we've done those before, but I, I could be wrong. We also have Craw Dogs, who wants us to say, which candy bar would you compare Stafford and Carry On to? No uh, not everybody at once yeah yeah i mean i, I gotta Ooh. go snickers for stafford because you know anytime satisfied? i'm cranky you know what yeah, now that we're satisfied. having this now that we're having this conversation i absolutely remember us doing this candy bar list cast before and i just remember we go to very dark places with it so <laughs> i want to nix these questions before before hopefully ryan starts talking I think Carrion Johnson and Matthew Stafford, can they be Mike and Ike's because they belong together forever? <laughs> oh, you swerved me. <laughs> oh, you, 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 oh, my God. What did you do, Ryan? <laughs> In true Halloween spirit, I put a spell on Chris. Like, I do you even know what I'm talking about? No. So What's wait, it's on? been it's been a year and you don't remember how you used to troll us. Uh, see, this is this is trolling one on one at its finest yeah, because yeah. I don't I don't Nile. remember. Yeah. It was on a night just like tonight. <laughs> a crispity, crunchity peanut buttery oh. type of night. Oh. <laughs> no, there's nobody on this team who's a who's a delicious crispity, crunchity peanut buttery. I mean, Golden State yeah. dropped a pass. Oh, funny! Ha ha. How sick did you get after eating all those can- all those peanut butters? Uh, <laughs> oh, that was Wait, Jeremy. Yeah, I had to do it. No, but uh, I'm sure Ryan got sick off those things too. I got sick off Mott sticks. No. For for the record, they're not peanut butter. They're peanut buttery. Yeah. 
<laughs> peanut butter which, like. Which is which is even better. No, it's actual not. peanut butter. I think so. <laughs> you get more sugar that way. That's true. He, he makes a salient point there. Pathological Lion asking us, what do you make of the inverted wishbone look the Lions brought out for this past Sunday on offense? I was intrigued by it. I was intrigued by it. It worked. It did work. And honestly, I, again, that was another thing that I don't think I even noticed being at the game, but then I watched it and they did it on back-to-back plays. I'm like, where did this come from? And to, to be clear, if, if people don't know what it is, it's it's basically that formation where they have typically carry on in his normal spot in the backfield, but then they have two guys, um, typically a fullback and either another running back or a tight end, um, kind of in the midway point between Stafford and carry on on both sides of them. Uh, I think they were two for two on those plays in terms of successful. Like they ran for nine yards and then they ran a pass play for like 15. So um, I'm just excited that we're seeing more new stuff out of, out of Jim Bob. I thought that was, I mean, I talked earlier about how impressed I was with the offense and Jim Bob deserves a lot of that credit too, because there was a lot of interesting looks. The screenplay where it was a, a fake run to the left and then they threw it back all the way out to the left. That play could have gone for 80 yards if they'd been blocked properly downfield. Um, really creative play design. I was just very impressed with Jim Bob Cooter on, on Sunday. So and wishbone was part of that too. Kivatron asking us, what is the story on Eli Harold with three weeks of no production? Uh, he has a baby. <laughs> it is kind of weird, though. I mean, it's not weird that he missed the game because of the baby. I think that all makes sense. I think he would understand it as much. But he had, I think, one snap against the Packers and then not a ton this week. I don't remember the exact numbers, but. Um, I think he's essentially lost his starting job to Romeo Aquara is really the answer. And Aquara's played pretty well. Not great, not horrible. I think he's he a sack in this game, yeah. Yeah, overall I don't think his, his pass rush is very good, but he's one of those guys that did what Anthony Zettel couldn't, and that was stay true to to holding the edge. And not not saying Eli Harold doesn't do that. He he looked like he did it as well, but um I think at this point they just trust O'Quar a little more. Yeah, and I, I mean, I truly wasn't like being like jokey about it. Like, I mean, that's a pretty big life changing thing. And I mean, to mm-hmm. to miss a, to miss a week, um, to miss a week of you know practice of of things like that, like I'm or you know to to miss a game and and things things like that. I think that does kind of put you behind a little bit. And you know, this is a league of opportunity, and Romeo Aquara has kind of stepped up and it's still nice to have a guy like Eli Harold available. Like, you know, we've seen him play well and, you know, it, you know, knock on wood, hopefully nothing happens to Romeo or Quara or, or, you know, Devin Kennard. There, there's somebody there who can kind of step in, I think, and, and at least provide like replacement level play with a guy like Eli Harold. So. Joseph R. Sweeney five being our resident mixologist, sending us this, this recipe to say yay or nay to. Bourbon plus apple cider. I'm in. I'm I'd rather 100%. just have a hard cider. Just get a strong bow. I'm good with that. Oh, dude, apple cider though is so good. Anything, like any alcohol mixed with 
apple cider i'm sure is delicious no but that's I what have... i mean like there there is in most other countries besides the united states apparently apple cider means you're having like a hard cider a strong bows or a angry orchard or something yeah nah but i i want like legitimate like i want the base to just be apple cider not this apple cider flavoring or whatever is in these these hard ciders no that's not just... that's not a, that that is actual that is that is brewed cider. That is not apple. That is this isn't this isn't a malt beverage that's been flavored with apple cider. No, but I don't even want brewed apple cider. Just give me a base of apple cider, like a Mike's hard apple cider. Give me that. I don't care. Wow. Wasn't who who was it? Ryan was it like Crown Royal that did it with apple? I'm, I'm trying to remember. There was I thought there was some whiskey that was like with apple. There is a there is a Crown Royal apple. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. yeah, my, that, I, I is she the one that does the? That was the my, Mila Kunis commercial. No, no, that's Jim Beam. That's Jim oh, okay. That's where yeah. she's acting like all you know, smoky and dangerous, and it was like, ooh, you, you want to get the bourbon? <laughs> Last Christmas, I think I made the best choice I've made um, for for my family and relatives, and I just went the uh, I went the route of I'm going to buy all of you the biggest bottle of your favorite booze. So um, that's always a good gift yeah yeah it's a great gift so I, I i like i pointed it to the top shelf and i was like get me the biggest box of the crown royal green box that's the apple right so is that for wally uh no that's actually for my uncle todd oh, not, shout, out, shout out uncle todd that's a slightly better gift than nicole's gift card hey <laughs> might wow. have to give might have to, might have to give those out considering I'm moving and I'm going to have to scale back my budget. I'm going to hopefully I'll try to arrange Christmas so that I have one Christmas before the other. Mm. Sad lions fan asking us, what are you dressing up as for Halloween? Or are you too good for that? I am absolutely too good for that. Uh, Dressing up as myself, probably going to a Lucha Vavum show here in Los Angeles. Nice. I'm not too cool for it, but I'm I'm too uncool for it because I don't have any Halloween plans. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think you you don't realize like the idea of having a Halloween party, that is not something our generation gets to have too much of, especially the three of us. All of us are working our butts off out here. Not always at this thing, but we are definitely working. Uh I mean, if we could fit any more into the blogosphere blogger stereotype right now, I think that that would probably just cause this podcast to fold into itself. But uh, I, I want to make Halloween plans, but I'm not going to go out and make Halloween plans. I think the problem for me is like, I'm still trying to get back into shape. I don't even know what I would go to uh, for like Halloween as right now is my problem. I don't like, I, I keep sitting down. I'm thinking like, okay, I want to do a Halloween costume this year. What do I need to do to do it? And there's a problem is that the only thing I would require is like me wearing like a ton of like plastic on my face as like a mask or something. Like just to completely change up my body. I don't know what I would even go as. Like it's it's no longer a simple thing. You're just going as a goose or a vampire. Wow. What did I just a say? Goose? It's a ghost of a goose. <laughs> it's, a, it's a ghost goose. It's a Canadian goose. It's a Canadian goose. So it's just the meanest, just asshole ghost you have ever run into. Oh, that's going to be a forever thing. I, th- I think that's the answer. That is a, a Canadian goose, goose ghost. 
<laughs> oh my god. All right, next question I have here is if you can give me a second. We've got a lot of questions about trade rumors. I hate to get it now that we're an hour into this podcast, but do the Lion Jeremy Smith 2 and Dimes 5 have two different questions for us? Jeremy Smith wants to ask, do the Lions make any kind of trade trade before the deadline? And Dimes 5 asks, and I will include it in here, do you trade for Patrick Peterson or nah? If yes, what is a reasonable offer? Well, we touched on this a little bit last week, right? That wasn't off air. We actually talked about it on air. That was a thing. You're asking the wrong person. No, no, I don't. I don't. Well, no, wait. Yeah, we did talk about it a little bit on air. And um, I think that the market is going to set Patrick Peterson's like trade price at, at a first round pick. I really do. I, I think that somebody's going to be. Especially willing... after, especially after Amari Cooper just got traded for a first rounder. Right. And I mean, you're only, you know, when the Cowboys sent that to Oakland, they only got a year and a half essentially of, of Amari Cooper. So I, I don't, I, I think that it's going to cost a first round pick. I don't know. I, I, I would not give up a first round pick for Patrick Peterson. If I were the lions right now, like contextually, it depends on which team I am, but for the lions, I'm not going to give up a first round pick a second round pick. You can definitely talk me into though. Yeah. I think the, the fact that the saints went out and got Eli Apple today, shows to me that either the price is too high or he's not actually on the market, like the Cardinals head coach said, which, I mean, just because they say it doesn't mean it's true, but I think I think you're right. Either the, the price is too rich, which I think you're right, a first-rounder is too much, or or he's not on the market. So I, I don't think a Patrick Peterson trade happens. Um, I, I don't think the Lions make a trade at the, at the deadline at the end of the day. It's just not something that happens all that often. Bob Quinn hasn't really mastered a whole bunch of trades in his GM career. And I don't think the Lions think they're necessarily a piece away. Maybe they do. Um, I don't necessarily think that they are or aren't, but um, I just don't see a guy that can come in that might be on the docket that could really push this team into uh, an immediate contender in the NFC. All right. The question here from Harrington HOF. Why are Bears fans so salty and easily irritated? Uh, they're the same as every other NFL fan out there. All NFL fans, including Lions fans. I'll go ahead and play the black hat here. Like, I, I can piss off Lions fans very easily. <laughs> I think right now, I mean, obviously they have reason to be a little angry right now. Is there, yeah, can we talk about what dreams? happened to that game? <laughs> sure. Yeah, we haven't like, had enough Bears bashing on this episode. We gotta, we gotta get back into that. We spent a good chunk of last episode. I'm, I thought people would have been mad at us talking about the Bears so much during the last episode we had. Watching them fail Mary uh, against the Patriots though was, uh, uh, let's just say, interesting. Can was I say that, that? The, the biggest completion of Mitchell Trubisky's career? I mean, once again, he put up 300-some yards in this game. He is just nuts throwing for as much as he is. But it doesn't make any sense because when you watch those games, like, they pile up in the slowest fashion ever because, like, through three quarters, he's averaging, like, 2.5 yards per attempt, and then suddenly it's like, oh, I'm at 400 yards, by the way. Yeah, 300-some yards, he averages 6.7. Yeah, so what, he threw it, like, 70 times? Yeah. (laughs) 50, 50 times only made about half of them. Yeah. That, I don't know. That team is, 
at a crossroads offensively, and I don't know what their identity. I don't think they know what their identity is. I mean, they they hung with the Patriots, and they deserve some credit for that. But I do have one question about this that I want to give directly to Ryan because I can trust his expertise on this. Fire away, Ryan. Okay. I have Mitchell Trubisky backing up Philip Rivers in my fantasy team. Am I safe to like switch them? Because Trubisky's been putting up a lot of fantasy points, and I don't know what to do. Well, you should know what to do because if you're ever if you're ever thinking that Mitch Trubisky should be a part of like a winning fantasy team, is that satisfying at all whatsoever? Like, I'd rather lose in fantasy than win it with Mitchell Trubisky. Honestly, at this point, I don't know what to believe. Believe in Philip Rivers. Believe in believe in the fact that I think he has enough kids now that he can actually play. He can play <laughs> offense with 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 all Rivers. He's just getting practice at home with the whole offensive line of Rivers. Yeah, I love that idea. Thank you for listening to the Thrive Detroit POD cast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Ryan Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at I am Brian Shepard. I A M B R I A N S H E P A R D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us Victory Monday. So go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you star side. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out. And if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.